Okay, so we're talking about we are warriors. Everybody go, hoorah. Hoorah. <laughs> well, funny thing is, and I, I you know, this was really something because I did a lot of study over this, and I looked up the word warrior, and I looked it up in several translations. There are tons of scriptures for warrior in the Old Testament. Some have zero in the New Testament. Some had one in the New Testament. Now, that doesn't mean that we aren't warriors in him. But he has equipped us with things to put on because he paid the price for it already. And when we put on his armor, we believe what his word says. We are powerful in him. So anyway, isn't that a beautiful thought? Okay, so... I want to read the verse that we have for today. It's Proverbs 31, verse 25. And I believe it's going to be up on the overhead, but this is in the NIV. And I'm going to read three different versions of it because I just thought it was so beautiful. And I look out here in this crowd today, and I know some of you, and I know that you are women that are full of strength and dignity. It's an evident thing, a garment that you have on your body, especially those of you that I know your stories, and many of you I don't, but I'm sure that we all have our own stories and that you have you have actually been strong through that and worn dignity. And I, I applaud you for that. I think it's amazing. I'm almost humbled that I'm up here talking rather than you. Y'all want to come up and join me? Okay, so Proverbs 31, 25 in the international, New International Version is, She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Now that takes faith, doesn't it? When we are staring down adversity or staring down a seemingly impossible situation. Proverbs uh in that same verse, in, in the New American Standard Version, says strength and dignity are her clothing. And she smiles at the future. How many of you know right now in our uh, in our society, we have a lot of people that don't know how to smile. Because there's a lot of things that are fretting people and worrying people, uh, the decisions that are being made in our society. But God, Right? And then Proverbs 31, 25 in the message version says her clothes are well made and elegant. And she always faces tomorrow with a smile. Again, that takes faith, doesn't it? It sure does. Now look at the person on the right and you say, girl, you are looking good. Now look at the one on the left and say, girl, you are looking good. When I looked up the word strength in the Strong's, it says this. It means absolute strength, might, power, force, and ability. And dignity means, uh, it means respected, admired, or admiration, and being respected. And those are powerhouse tools. Well, how do we become that? How do we walk in that? How is that in our lives? It's actually by how Jesus purchased that for us, knowing who we are in him. I think about the last time I was here and I went way too long. I'm not going to do that to you this time. You're safe. 
<laughs> but I was so excited to be here. But if you remember, and some of you won't, but some of you will remember I talked about a lot of scripture that talks about if you go back and you do a study on the scriptures about in Christ or in him or all the things that come with that. There is so much there. And I encourage you to do that again and refresh yourself on it because Jesus purchased a lot for us. And when we walk in him, we are a powerhouse. We are strong. We can walk in dignity and grace. It's a powerful thing. So my question is, what are you wearing today? Check it out. Everybody look at each other and say, ooh, I like your shirt. Well, I like your shoes. Look at those glasses. All right, so. In the scripture, it talks about, my question is, who is our strength? And our strength comes from, everybody say it, the Lord, right? And then who is the warrior? And like I said, I looked it up. I, I, in the message version, there's 32 uh, ref- referrals to warrior in the Old Testament and one referral in the New Testament. The New King James is Old Testament was three <laughs> and the New Testament was zero. And then the King James Version, isn't this interesting? And then uh, the King James Version, Old Testament, in which I was raised on King James Version, is like thee and thou and us and them and, and all that. <laughs> and uh, Old Testament was three and New Testament was zero. And then New, New Living Translation was, in the Old Testament, 94 uh, times warrior was used. And New Testament, one time. And then uh, the Amplified was 76 times in the Old Testament, one time in the New Testament. Now, don't you find that interesting? That's because we are warriors in him. You know, meaning he purchased all this strength and we are to be clothed in what he has given us to wear. Or else we're no match for what's coming against us. Yeah. Okay, so um, Exodus 15.3 in the International Version says this. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. So who's the warrior? Okay. And then the New Testament says, this is Jesus talking. Matthew 28, 18 says, and this is amplified version, but it said it interestingly enough in several versions. And it says, Jesus came up and said to them, all authority. How much? I used to have this old preacher friend and I loved him to pieces. He's a prophet. And he'd look at me, he'd go, Sherry. How much is all? And I'd go, well, I don't know, Brother Cox. How much is all? And he'd say, all means all, and that's all all means. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that, and that's true. It means all. So Jesus came up and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, that pretty much... Settles the whole deal, doesn't it? Isn't that amazing to think about? Okay. So if you go further down in that verse, in which is not up there, I'm sure. Uh, but it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me. Believe in me. And obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of all ages. 
Isn't that beautiful to think about? But he says that, believe in me. And when they were talking to Jesus at one time, they said, what must we do to do the works of God? And he said, anybody know? Only believe. So it's believing what God has sacrificed for us and given for us that we walk in. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus never leaves things undone. undone. Remember, he said, it is finished. The work he did was complete. And then if you look in Colossians, it says, we are complete in him. Isn't that beautiful? Complete in him. I don't know about you, but that freaks me out. Because I know me. And I'm thinking, uh, there's some stuff in there I need to work on. Anybody else like that? Uh, yeah, well, oh, okay, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, I'm having faith in you. <laughs> but, um, when you look at the verse two that talks about he will complete that which concerns you and he works at the, when you look at the word perfect or perfect, it means he will make the proper adjustments and repair in our life. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I mean, he doesn't just want us to fix everything on our own. And how many of you know when you're dealing with situations and heartache and other people and all that, the only person you can really deal with is you. And you're the one that has to go before him and he gives you the grace to be able to change whatever it is and that you're not liking or need to work on or whatever. But keeping in mind always that God is so for us. So again, look at the lady beside you and say, I love your shirt. And say, I'm glad you dress that way today. (laughs) And I'm so glad you wore pants today. (laughs) And 2 Corinthians talks about this. This is so good. And it says for... It's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. And I'm going to read it in two translations. And the first one says, first of all, our weapons that we have are not carnal as warriors in him, but they are powerful. But the thing is, we need to use them. We need to know what they are and we need to use them. So for it says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world. So we don't get out. Aren't you glad we don't use swords anymore on each other? I mean, physical swords. Yeah, no. Okay, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to dim. Really, I can talk. Mandy, I can talk. Okay, it says that they can't. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Uh, We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, the warfare that we fight right now isn't in the natural necessarily, although there are times when the opposing things come. But how many of you know lots of the wars that we fight are in our mind? Our thoughts. And it shows that progression in this. I'm going to read this verse in the Amplified 
Bible. It says, for though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical. They're weapons of flesh. They're not weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. How many of you sometimes use bad self-talk? You know, women are the worst at that. Stand in front of the mirror and you go, I'm too fat. I have a big nose. My hair's not pretty. I wish I was different. I wish I looked like so-and-so. I wish. You ever do that? Come on now. I know you because I do it. I have done it. And Jimmy says that women are the worst about it. And the reality is, is that self-talk. I heard Joyce Meyer Meyer say this the other day. I was watching her, and it was really uh an enlightening moment for me because I've had this happen to me years ago. But anyway, she was saying that she and and her husband had gotten in this argument. And so they were going at it, throwing down. They knew how to fight like Jimmy and I knew how to fight. And uh, those weapons don't work, by the way. (laughs) They create things you don't want any part of. So she said they were going at it and they were voicing these words back and forth and everything. And all of a sudden he left the room and she goes, well, you're just stupid. She's talking to herself. You're just stupid. All you do is to create problems and you are just so dark. And what's wrong with you? Why can't you overcome? She said all of a sudden this dark form started coming at her in this room, in the room where she was. And the Lord spoke to her and he said, that's not who you are. And then she began to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Even though I have this problem, this issue, I am dearly loved and and celebrated by God. And she said that darkness flee. And so it's very important what we speak to others and what we speak to each other. Because God never talks to us that way. He thinks you're amazing. He created you and he gave you the personality that you have because he likes it. He doesn't want you to be like anybody else. You know, he, he thinks that he created you because he likes diversity. He loves us. He's for us. And he's never going to speak negative against you. So anyway, the progression in this verse, I want you to watch it because we're going to go backwards in it. Okay, so it's first that you have a thought. Anybody here ever had a bad thought about anything? Oh, Lord, we're going to all die. (laughs) And you know that's true. It's first a thought. Then the next step is, this is when, this is where we actually need to recognize who's talking to us. Because God will never talk down to you. He always brings you higher. He always thinks the best of you. And we'll get into that in a minute. But then the next thing that happens is a high thing. And that means it's an argument. It's like, you know, all of a sudden you say, okay, well, don't do that because this will do that and whatever and creates fear. And all of a sudden the next thing you're going and the enemy comes in and he says something else. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That happened to so-and-so. 
And then you start giving it place. Then the next thing after the high thing and the argument becomes a stronghold. And that's where you begin to believe the lie. And that's where it becomes your reality. And so the weapons God gave us was to first identify who's talking to us. Because this is what God says to you. He will He will steal you. He will lead you. He will assure you. He will enlighten you. He will encourage you. He uh, comforts us. He calms us. He instructs us. He lifts us. And he speaks Bible. That's how God talks to us. So when we start hearing voices that rush us, push us, confuse us, discourages us, condemns us, brings fear and dread. Realize the devil will quote the Bible, but he misquotes the Bible. If you think back back in the garden, the first time this progression happened was with Adam and Eve. When God had already walked through the garden with them, they had not a care or a worry in the world. There was nothing wrong. Everything was perfect. They didn't even know what sin was. They were walking around naked. I don't know about you, but I don't can't get comfortable walking around naked. But they didn't think anything about it because that's how they were created. And it was innocent and it was true and it was pure. And so they didn't have to uh, worry about any of those things. And the enemy comes to them. So they had all their food supplied. They had every need that ever, ever was brought. And God had totally created them for one purpose. Do you know what that was? To have fellowship with them. So they didn't have to fight warfares. They didn't have weeds. They didn't have to do garden work. They just lolly lolly. I don't know what that would be like to you. <laughs> lolly lolly. We're just having a good time. Okay. Let's go fishing. What's fishing? You know, so the thing is, is that the enemy came to him and then what he does, he says to Eve, because it doesn't say Adam was present. And so he goes, did God say that you should not eat from this tree? And so he always comes from the spirit of lack in our lives. He will always attack something that we think God is holding out on us. And when we, when we do something contrary to the word of God or not trust God, it, it's always because we think it's going to solve a problem. And he's the problem solver. And so we always have to look at it and go, now wait a minute. Okay. She said, he said, did God say that you shall not do that? And then he follows it up after he's got her ear. The first problem she had was listening. And that's where we need to stop it. A thought. Who's talking to me? Now wait a minute. God didn't talk like that to me. He'd already created them in the image of God. They were already in the image of God. Well, the enemy says, well, if you eat of this tree, God knows that you will become, you'll know the difference between good and evil. And she thought that was a big deal. Well, what God was doing was protecting them from that. And that's where sin came. That's where the fall came. And so our first point is don't listen. Look at your neighbor and go, don't you listen to him. (laughs) Say he doesn't have your best interests at heart. But our father does. 
Isn't that right? And he has no dysfunction at all. All right. Let me see where I am. I might have gone ahead in my notes. You all just talk among yourselves. <laughs> okay. So, in other words, it doesn't have to go that that way. We just need to recognize and know you know, Jesus said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they won't follow another. And so knowing his word, knowing the things that he has. So it wasn't like, well, maybe you might know his word. Maybe you might hear his voice. It's none of that. It's he speaks Bible. And when you realize that he is so for you, it's ridiculous. That was what I talked on last time. And that's what my <laughs> blog was. So I don't want to bore you with that again. But it's so true. He is so for you. He loves you so much and has your best interest at heart. So he doesn't want us tripped up in any way to swallow the lies of the enemy. I always like to picture him, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. So Jesus in the wilderness was tempted the same, same way. If you think about him in the, or, uh, he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He was starving. Can't you imagine not eating for 40 days or 40 nights? I can't go through the night and in the morning I'm starved. Are you that way? And so anyway, it says that the enemy came to him and it says, if you be here, the question challenging what has been said. Well, if you be the son of God, he says, take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus didn't say, oh, you schmuck. You're an idiot. He didn't talk. You know, you're a loser. None of those. He just said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Say it with me out of the mouth of God. And so knowing his word, see the, the thing I love so much about God in which there's so many things I love about him, but the reality is, is that when Jesus was here and he walked with the disciples and, uh, he talked to them and taught them and everything. And he was teaching later and he said, it, I'm going to go away, but it's expedient for you that I leave. And I go to my father that I can send to you the comforter who is the Holy spirit. And his job is going to be to lead you. And guide you into all truth and to bring back to you the, in remembrance, the things I've told you. And so the three of those work for one purpose, and that is the purpose of God. And that was to redeem us back to God and purchase all the powerhouse we really are. You know, you all are not a bunch of weak women. Maybe you think in certain situations you are, you're not. You are not. He has made you strong. And he wants you to understand that. And knowledge and wisdom applies that to our hearts and gifts. It's depending on what you feed yourself. Seriously. It's if you sit around and think about all the things that are wrong all day long, guess what you're going to have? All the things that are wrong all day long. It becomes your reality. But if you start thinking about what he says about you and what his purpose is in the, in the earth, that's what you will experience and live. And so anyway, back here, Jesus is in the wilderness. And so the bread to stones or the stones to bread. <laughs> okay. Anyway, and then, uh, you, you know what I meant. And then the, the next thing he says, he takes him up on this high place and he says, well, if you be the son of God, throw yourself down 
and he will give his angels charge over you. See, he, he quoted scripture. And Jesus just said, well, yeah, but, you know, it's written that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So he knew exactly how to re, repercu- you know, bring that repercussion to him. He dealt with him in the word. He didn't deal with him with anything else. Then the third thing he says, he kingdoms of the world. He said, he took him up on this high place and he says, if you will just bow down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms. Guess what? They were his anyway. And you know, the devil, he's a dimwit. He doesn't have any new tricks. He just uses them over and over again. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, the devil's a dimwit. <laughs> now, he uses them strategically. Don't, don't be fooled because he's used them a long time. But he isn't to be worshipped or, or exalted in any way. And so we don't even give him much time. That's the thing. You don't give him time. When he starts talking, you say, shut it. You are doing this, and I need you to do this. Everybody do that. You are doing this, but I need you to do Okay, that'll stay in your mind for a little while. Okay, so, you know, if we are a woman of dignity and strength, we are actually fixed in him. We are fixed in him. That means we know who we are in him. We know what he has provided for us. And we walk in that strength and dignity, not in fear and dread, not in sorrow, not grief. And yes, there are times when grief happens and there is a process with that. And and that's important. And don't let anybody try to rush you through that. Nobody knows when that ends. But if it consumes you, that's a different thing. That's not grief. That's a spirit of grief. So that was for free. But if you, if you have grief, and I should let you talk about that more than me. So many of you should be up here rather than me. You want to come up too? Come on, Charlene, and I'll take all the help I can get. Are you all getting anything out of this? Okay, awesome. Okay, so God not only calls us, but he also equips us. And that's the cool thing. He works in us to do his will. So he said, I will be with you and I will be in you. Isn't that cool to think of? Just say, look at your neighbor and go, hello, God. (laughs) You see Jesus and each other. Isn't that beautiful to think about? He's there. He's there. And so uh, Philippians 2.13 amplified version. Oh, no, no, no. I made myself a note. That's wrong. That's next session. You can't have that. (laughs) I have to cut this page in half because the last half was this session. The next half is on the top half, and I didn't have time to flip it. Okay. So if we are women of dignity and strength. Oh, I need to know what time I quit. What time do I quit? It's, huh? You know how dangerous that is. No, I'm not doing that to you again. I was so full that night, that day that I was here, I thought, I'm embarrassed that I talked that long. Who has that much to say? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So anyway, if we are, uh, our dignity and strength comes from him. When we know who we are in him, 
our identity, what our identity is. We walk in strength and dignity. So a woman clothed in dignity and strength knows and responds to his voice. Because she is confident in who she is in him. She knows when to move forward in battle and when to stand still. She knows how and when to set healthy boundaries. How many of you know some of us aren't very good at setting healthy boundaries? We think, you know, sometimes we do more than Jesus would do for somebody. What? Did I say that? Y'all shook your head. Yes, like, yep, I get it. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus said this. He said, I only do those things I see my father doing. And another translation says, I only work where I see my father working. And so sometimes we just need to listen on how much we do and set healthy boundaries because you're important, too, and your family and your everything. So that's for free, too. She knows her weapons are well. She knows her weapons well and is equipped for battle. And she battles in the spirit, not in the flesh. She is very much aware when the urgent can or is a distraction. How many of you have ever been called with an urgent request? Jimmy and I did a lot of counseling when we were on staff. And, you know, we'd get these calls. Oh, my gosh, this is a tragic situation. And our marriage is falling apart. And And all of a sudden, we'd give it a few hours. And they'd call back and say, "Uh, can we come in on Wednesday? And that was like last Friday. So sometimes if you give time to things, they work out things on their own. And if you feel pressed into something, it's probably not a good thing to do. Because, again, who pushes you and who rushes you? Never Jesus. And when we're helping people, the thing is, is that we aren't their Savior. He's their Savior. And we want them to be dependent on him because he is... He's the one that can actually help them through it. Okay, so she doesn't use anyone else's armor. Remember the story in the Bible about David and Goliath and where they brought David in, you know, and they'd gone through all the big brothers that were strong and mighty warriors and everything. And and Samuel kept saying, nope, he's not him, not him, not him. Finally, you know, they chose David and David wanted to go into battle for him. They all thought he was arrogant and thought he was just being a show off. But he really had faith in his heart. He thought, who is this that defies God? Who is that? I don't understand. What are you all sitting back here in this hole for? (laughs) You ever sit in a hole? God doesn't want us in a hole. We We are more than able to go up and take the country and possess the land from Jordan to the sea. Let's sing it. No, I'm kidding. Don't sing it. Though the giants may be there on the way to hinder, God is sure to get the victory. There you go. (laughs) Uh, By the way, my friend Teresa is an amazing singer. Wish you could hear her sing sometime. Okay, she does not, doesn't use anyone else's armor, so don't put on something that's not yours. If you aren't walking in it, it's not yours. Just because it worked for somebody else doesn't mean it'll work for you. It just means know and hear the voice of God in your situation when you're in something that you need a solution or an answer to. And so, and his weapons are always available to us. 
And we need to know, we need to pick and choose when we're actually going to, we don't need to, to actually participate in every argument or fight. And that's the key. Hear peace. She knows when to fight. She knows how to be still and she knows to exalt the Lord and not any situation. Everybody lift your hands. Lord, say this, Lord, we exalt you above everything, every situation, everything that's going on in our lives. We exalt you and not our situation. We will not dwell on it. We will dwell on you because you are faithful to watch over your word and to perform it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm done. I'm kidding. I'm longer winded than that. (laughs) Okay. And so then it's, uh, she knows and understands we can all be weak at times and we all need help at times. There is no shame in needing help. The only shame comes is when there's help and you don't get it. You don't go for it. You don't seek it out. And, you know, we all have people in our lives that are safe places. And that's very important. You don't want to share all your business with everybody, you know, because sometimes people misuse that. And I've heard them, people say before, okay, well, we're having a prayer meeting and they say, well, we need to pray for so-and-so because, you know, they have. And then they tell what the situation is. That's not good. If they told that to you in confidence, that needs to be kept in confidence. And if you want to pray for them, just pray the will of the Lord and that they would hear God and respond to him in that situation. But we need to be safe places for each other. We need to be the kind of people that stand with each other when they're going through a hard time and not be judges. You ever get into the mode of judging situations when you really don't know enough about them to be judging it? Besides that, the Bible talks about very clearly that we are not to judge. Because only he sees every circumstance and situation. Now, you can look at something and look at the fruit of it and see if it's good or bad. But that doesn't mean that you have to go and correct it. Sometimes we answer, we need to be better listeners. Don't you think? I think sometimes we don't give people an opportunity to talk when they need to talk and just listen. And listen for the Lord while you're listening to them. And then be good enough to allow the Lord to give you a solution. If he doesn't, love on them, pray for them, that they would hear him. But don't judge them because sometimes we don't see the whole picture in people's lives. And they already have all the world that judges. Do you notice that? We have a society right now that wants to judge everything. They're unthankful, ungrateful, you know, and... We need to model something different. As believers in Jesus, we need to model something different. Okay. There's no shame in being weary or worn out. The shame is if you don't get help and that you don't take time to mend and heal. And so that's very important. If you think about it, Moses got, got weary when they were in the battle and he, if his arms went down, they lost the battle. If his arms went up, guess what? She's taking care of business. I know what she's doing. Aren't you? 
she's doing business. And so anyway, um, Moses, you know, he had to have Aaron and who else was it with him? Do you remember who it was with him where, when he was, when he was up and his arms were up, they were winning the battle. Was it her? Er, wasn't it? And so, and then they came up and stood beside him and they raised his arms. You ever need anybody to raise your arms? I sure do. I hope you show up in people's words, worlds when they are having a hard time. Cause that's part of our, our character and who we are in Jesus because he always shows up for us. Do you ever notice that? He's never absent when we're going through stuff. Sometimes we just need the faith of a few close friends. And that's worth its weight in gold right there. That was second message I was hiding. Okay, so also, she knows how to be still. And I said that before. And our society is so loud. Do you ever notice it? Loud everything. We sit in restaurants, and it's like you can't even have a conversation across the table without shouting. Everything's loud. Cars are loud. You know, uh, our, the things we use in our house are loud. Uh, we sometimes just need to remove ourselves from that and be still and listen and know he is God. How many of you have a quiet place? Everybody have somewhere that's your favorite place? I know some of you have seen my picture of my deck, and Jimmy created that space for me, and you all should come down and sit there with me. Actually, you should come down. You would enjoy it. But anyway, it's uh, in the winter. I have a fire pit, so it's right there in front of my my. I got this big swing they got me for my Mother's Day gift one year, and I got two big chairs. You've been there, and you've been there. (laughs) And uh, but it's my place where I can go, and there's not a lot of racket, not a lot of activity. And we work out of our house, so we do have a lot of activity. (laughs) But. Anyway, I go out there and read and pray early, and, and when it's cold, I turn that fire pit on. I could stay out there for hours. Sometimes Jimmy will come and say, are you ever coming back in? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> you know, but in the summer, it's just it's just my place to go. And Jimmy, when we were first saved, uh, he had, we lived in the actual J.C. Penny farm. You know, the Penny guy that owns Penny stores? We lived in his farm. I can show you a picture of it. We went and they moved it in, into town and made it a museum. <laughs> I said they didn't move it for him. They moved it because we lived there. <laughs> but anyway, he had, it was just a little four room house and had a little bathroom off the end of it. And, um, but he had this closet in there. And you know, how many of you know with a little house like that, you don't, and two kids, you don't have much quiet space and so he would go and put pillows and blankets in that closet and that's where he would go and that door shut you didn't go near that door (laughs) but all of us need that space and I would encourage you that if you don't have that space you need to make that space that quiet place where you can hear and read your word and let Jesus minister to you okay also she knows when to surrender Surrender her time, never to the enemy. It's never surrender to the enemy. We don't do that. But enter into rest. And she knows when to take a time of reset. Now, just recently, and I'll talk more about this later probably, but uh, Jimmy and I just were invited to go to New York. Uh, some friends of ours own a beautiful 
um, lodge like out there and they've been after us to come for years, but we've known him since we probably first got saved and he used to come to the church we were saved in and him and his wife bought this big lodge and they always had, uh, and uh, it's a long story, but anyway, they had this family that gave them a church building. So they went in and remodeled the whole thing and everything. And so they wanted to do what they called the East coast Jesus people festival. And Jimmy and I were invited to that. <laughs> now you got to understand, we were the only ones that weren't saved in the Jesus movement <laughs> so, in that group. So we were thinking, okay, um, uh, so what, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, exactly. And so we went, but they had, uh, Chuck Gerard in which he, um, was the guy in the, did y'all see the movie that they just put out? What's it called? Jesus, uh, Jesus Revolution. Did y'all see that? Okay. Well, the band that was in there, Love Song or whatever their name is, he was the actual lead singer in that. So he was there. He was invited to that. And then Paul Clark, in which was a guy that he is like one of the pioneers of pretty much rock and roll in the Christian realm. So one of his bandmates was um, uh, Phil Kagey. Do you know who Phil Keggy is? And so Paul's a personal friend of ours, so we got him invited. And then a, a girl named Honey Tree. Anybody know these names? Anybody young or old enough to know those names? Nope. I'm the only old one in the building. Okay. So anyway, Honey Tree, they were in this this whole thing with that movie. I mean, they, they were around during that whole time and how Jesus was saving people left and right. I mean, and they were just coming in. They didn't look like anybody. You know, they were all hippies and just some of them barefooted and their feet were dirty. And you saw in that movie where they he sat down and washed their feet before they went in the building because some of the people couldn't stand the fact that they were that dirty and, you know. And, you know, how many of you would be honest and say sometimes you've been around people that stretch you because they don't look like you or smell like you or act like you? Oh, come on. Everybody in here, raise that hand. Okay, thank you. And so, you know, the thing is, is that God is a heart God. And when he communicates to us, he communicates to us in our heart. And. That is such a beautiful thing. You know, when, when we get saved, it says that I will take out your stony heart and I will give you a heart, a soft heart, a willing heart, a heart that's pliable, teachable. And on that heart, I will write my precepts on your heart so that when you hear them, you identify with them. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's true. I've never heard that before, but I know it. I know it in my knower. Everybody got to know her. (laughs) And so, you know, that's a beautiful thing to think about, isn't it? That he would give us a new heart and a new start, a new DNA. You know, that he, he looks at us in a new way. He sees us through the mercy seat. He sees us that, that Jesus has purchased our salvation by his, you know, his life, his death, his burial and his resurrection. And that's powerful stuff. That's why we are a warrior in him. He purchased our freedom by what he did on the cross. How beautiful is that? Y'all are looking at me like a deer in headlights. Okay. Can you smile at me? I'm kidding. You all are smiling already. It's season. But... Okay, she knows when to surrender, and she knows when to rest, and she knows when to reset. 
We need to also identify that Jesus never deals with us with fear. Fear has torment. And if you read in First John, it talks about, you know, that when you read or when you think about him, you know, he that is not perfected is, you know, if they don't know what love is, they're not perfected in that. It means they don't if they think that he's going to beat them up or be mean or he's out to get them or how many of you were raised where you thought God was thought you were going to mess up. And so he's going to hit you on the head with a hammer. Yeah, I was raised in a really, when we first went, it was a wonderful um, experience to the church we got saved in. But then, you know, it, you need to be careful. That's why I say, I'm telling you, you need to know the word of God. Because people mean well, but doggone it, they say the same, uh, the darndest things, don't they? And they believe the darndest things. And we need to know what truth is. Isn't that true, Charlene? This is a church that's safe. But we still need to know the word. We need to know who he is and who he is in us. That when we live our lives, you know, that if all of this would go away and it was just you, could you stand? Would you know what God said? Could you walk in that? That's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us codependent on him, not anybody else. I hate to use that word. He wants us dependent on him and no one else. He wants us to know him because he loves us. And he has good for us. Lord, I said this. I'm talking to myself here. So I said, Lord, (laughs) but now I'm talking to you. So here we go. There are 365 fears, fear knots in the Bible. You think he's trying to get a point across to us? Let's say it. 365 fear knots. What do you think he's saying? Isn't that wonderful? Huh? What are you afraid of? Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying. Exactly. Well, you know, the thing is, is that when we, and that's another thing, when, if you feel fear, now I understand that there are times when the Lord will say, this is not a safe thing. You need to move. I've had that happen. That's different. I'm talking about just fear and dread where you think something horrible, horrible is going to happen or in a situation you've been thinking about or hoping for. That's not enough. It's believing. Jesus said, only believe, believe my word, believe what I've promised you, what I've said to you. My words are sure they are, they are truth and they are life. And so we have to know what his word says so that we can walk in that. The, the other thing I want to mention here, I was talking about um, the East Coast Jesus people thing, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But the truth is, God, in Christ, there was a place called the Via Tri- Triumphalis, and that was the victory parade. And in Roman culture, they had, when the uh, conquering kings would go through, after they'd conquered somebody they would take the leader of that group and they would parade them in a cage through town to show that they had been conquered and that was a roman culture thing but jesus there's another term that he uses he doesn't use via triumphalus he uses another term but i couldn't pronounce it so we'll just go with it and But anyway, that is the victory parade. And so what he's done is he's put the devil in that cage 
And this is what I want you to see. He has been bound. He has limited access. He has, and that king was stripped down. He was naked. There was nothing that guarded him. They, they wanted them to know that they belong to them. And the devil belongs to Jesus. Everything that he is afraid of Jesus. You need to understand that. And so we need to learn how to listen to God because he is a conqueror. Be a triumphalist. It says he always leads us into victory is what that means. So maybe you're in the middle of a situation that hasn't come to duration. You're not at the end of it where you see what's supposed to happen. He's still leading you in the victory parade. You are in the parade with him. Now, he's not just marching by you. You're in there with him. And the devil's back there. <laughs> see? See him in that cage? He's naked. That's ugly, isn't it, to think about? Okay. And, you know, I don't know what he looks like, but it sure isn't the one with the tail and all that stuff, you know. But the Bible actually talks about him. He was beautiful at one time. So, you know, who knows? But the reality is, is that all that goes with him is in that cage. And we need to know who we are so that we don't fall short to that and that we can walk in this life and help others come out of that. That that tyrant, he's a tyrant. He has no mercy. He knows his days are limited. And he doesn't want us to know Jesus like he is. He doesn't want us to take the time to hear God's voice, to know who he is. So do that. And then I'll show you this one thing. I wanted to share one more thing. Have I worn you out yet? No. Okay, let's see. 1125. What time's lunch? It's up here. Eleven twenty-five. It's at eleven forty-five. Oh, I'm doing good. Okay, so the East Coast people. It was uh, Paul Clark and Honey Roundtree and uh, Chuck Gerard. And at first, I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? When we were invited to this, uh, Jimmy said he didn't really want to go because it was kind of one of those things where we weren't really saved during that time. We were at the the next phase of what the salvations, you know, they're a little older than us. And so, um, uh, we didn't want it just to be nostalgic. How many of you know, right now people are doing these nostalgia bands. Everybody wants to go back and remember a thing. You know, this song reminds me of, you know, and all that. We didn't want to do that, but I tell you what, if we had not gone, we would have missed the Lord. It was one of the most innocent precious times because you know sometimes in our lives all of us we get so busy we don't realize what we allow to slip and you end up doing things out of knowing what to do but it's not really a heartfelt thing and so jimmy and i went they we, they flew us up there we had this beautiful place to stay and at lunch i can show you some of the pictures of the place it was just amazing and uh so when we got there um, there were like 200 and some people that had signed up to come to this thing. And one of the women that came, she said that she'd been in town and she saw this girl and she was a meth addict, a meth addict. And she had those sores all over her body, you know, that they picked their face and they picked their arms and she was just covered, covered in them. And she saw her, and at this meeting, they were going to show that movie. 
And so she just said, hey, she said, you know, I'm going to this thing. Uh, you want to go with me? And she said, we're going to watch this movie. And the little girl says, you know, I really wanted to see that movie. Well, these two women, their lives were totally opposite. They didn't look anything alike. They didn't have anything in common. Their ages were different, you know. So don't get stuck in how can I relate to somebody. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But anyway, and then so she invited her. She came to this thing. And she gets saved. And then there's another um, guy that Jimmy and I were standing back at the back of the the church. And we were at the first table. You know, they, they all had tables. So we were the first table by the door. And so in this, in comes this guy, Charlene. He's an old farmer guy, you know, and he's got this ball cap on and he looks like this. He looks like he'll just knock your block off. You know, he walks in like that. And all of a sudden I go, well, hey, I said, how are you? And he said, those CDs any good? And I said, well, yeah, they're good. (laughs) And uh, he said, well, which one's good? And I said, well, they're all good. And he said, if I don't like it, I'm bringing it back. And I said, well, that's okay. (laughs) So he buys one of Jimmy's CDs. And so he goes on in and sits down. Well, then later, one of the people that were there came up to me that go to that church of our friends that the pastor there that have the lodge. And uh, they go, I want to tell you his story. He said, that's Bob. And Bob just started coming to the church. Because one of the guys was in there and he was rebuilding their altar because the church was in bad shape and it was given to them. And so he walks in one day and this guy is doing the work and he's, you know, buffing the altar out and everything. And the Bill or Bob walks in and he goes, uh, got any coffee? And he's real gruff. I mean, it's just like it'd be the first person you'd go, okay, <laughs> you know. And uh, he goes, well, yeah, I got coffee. And he says, well, um, he goes, got anything I can do? And the guy says, well, you can help me buff this, you know, all drought. And he goes, okay. So he went and got his coffee and he started buffing it and everything. And Jesus loves people. And after he drank his coffee, he didn't buff much more. He just left. But since then, they started including Bob in everything. And Bob would come in and his family came to see them and said, I don't know what you know. I don't know what you know about Bob, but let me tell you his story. Bob's a farmer and Bob owned his own big farm. And he was out one day and he was getting a a, a truckload of grain delivered. And he said, and the, the guy that was the truck driver brought his son with him. And so they were delivering this grain. And his neighbor came out and he lost his mind. And he shot the son and killed him. And then he chased the father into the woods and killed him. And Bob saw all this. And then he came back and he was pointing his gun right at Bob's um, head and Bob started screaming. Bob didn't know God at all. And he just started using all kind of colorful language <laughs> and telling him not to shoot him. 
and the guy ran off. But from that, he lost everything, lost his family, lost his wife. Uh, he had a nervous breakdown. They didn't know what to do with him. They put him in a nursing home. They couldn't keep him there. They put him in an institution. They didn't know what to do with him. And so when he started coming to this church, and they just started including him, and he was hearing the word, and he was hearing how Jesus loved him, and that God wanted to do something special in his life, he got saved. So we get to meet Bob, and we get to meet this little girl that we have nothing in common with. And then there's another guy there that's working there, and he was into drugs heavily, and his brother. And somehow or another, I didn't get the whole story. I just know that the story was is that he and his brother got in some, some kind of conflict, and he went to his brother's house, and he was standing in his entryway, and his brother shot him in the chest. It didn't kill him. But he was in the hospital for a long time, so they had this drug fight deal going on. Well, he got saved, and now he's working at that lodge and bringing all his druggy friends to be saved. And he's got his girlfriend there, so she's there. She's just gotten saved. And so the sad part of that one story was his brother, after he got healed and they reconnected and he told him about getting saved he committed suicide which was heartbreaking but this kid is just going forward reaching people reaching people so that day that we were there we all go out and jimmy and i would have missed it so much because here they were there was no big eyes and little U's. you know what i mean by that right nobody was big and important and you were just along for the ride it was everybody counted and we went out and by this beautiful lake that they have that they actually dyed an aqua color. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. But anyway, it was, it was almost like being at the ocean. That's my favorite place. <laughs> but anyway, we set these, all these chairs around a fire pit down there and everybody sat down there and we sang and worshiped the Lord. Most innocent, pure, Holy Ghost, wonderful thing. And then right after that, those three, the girlfriend, Bob, and the little girl that's a meth freak got baptized. Oh, the innocence of how Jesus does things. Isn't it wonderful? He's just amazing. And so reset. That time for me was a reset. That's why I'm saying this, and I'm really finishing right now. But it was a time where I didn't hear anybody, didn't listen to anything other than when I had to be in the services. Don't misunderstand me. But I went down and I sat by the lake and the Lord spoke to me and flooded my soul with just some rich, quiet, futuristic things he has coming up. And just that, you know. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not here by mistake. It's not that you don't have a purpose. You just need to ask him what that is. And don't put non-significance in that term. Don't devalue yourself. He doesn't. Don't think you're not important. Don't think what you do is unvaluable. For Pete's sake, what would we do without grandmothers? 
What would we do without mothers? What would we do without brothers and sisters in Christ? By the way, I was talking to somebody earlier, and I said, I think we should go back to saying brother and sister instead of trying to remember everybody's name. (laughs) My attention span's about that long. I love people, can't remember names worth a darn, so... But um, I hope this encourages you. I just want you to know how much God is for you and that he is proud of you. He is never ashamed of you. Even when you go through stuff, look at your neighbor and say stuff. And now say everybody's got it. There's no one that doesn't have stuff. And so... Proverbs 4.23 is one of my life verses, and it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And what that really means for us is, is that it matters what you allow in your heart. And it means that, you know, um, issues there, that word means geographical boundaries. So it means you set the boundaries that are in your life, good or bad, by what's in your heart, what you believe. Now, God's given us a new heart when we know him, when we've received him, and his precepts are on our heart. And staying in faith, faith is a powerful force. Faith not in just faith, like, okay, everybody, get faith. No, faith in his faithfulness. Because some of you all have been through so much stuff, And you know he has proven himself faithful. And those are things. One last thing and then I'll shut up, I promise. If you don't journal, get a journal today. Because let me tell you what. I realize this. I really don't have a good memory. And some things that happen in my life that I've prayed about. And you write down prayer requests. Things you're believing God for. You'll forget it when he does. And sometimes you even forget to thank him for it. Gee, anybody else like that? And if you write it down, it's a book of remembrance. It's a book of faith that when you're going through some of the hardest times in your life, you can go back and flip that thing open. And guess what? You'll go, oh, I forgot that. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, this is no match for Jesus. Because when that was here, this happened. And go back after you write him down and you pray about him. Go back and write it down when he answers him. Because he's answering all the time. Sometimes it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to. But he did answer. And sometimes the picture that we see in our mind's eye is larger than just ourselves. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.